This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hi, friends. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We have got a great show today. First, we are chatting with comedian Joey Cola. He's been married for over 30 years. He has two kids in their 30s. It's just going to be a fun conversation from somebody who's in the business, who's a dad. I'm looking forward to it. And as always, we have our hashtag swag bag. But up next, take it away, small child. Kicking shit. Okay, can I go? Yeah, go for it. Today's an all-tits day. I got into grad school! Yay! I don't know why. Everyone's like, yeah, duh. Didn't you know you are going to get in? I have imposter syndrome, sort of, sometimes. I went to a college that was an art school where I didn't really take many classes, and I'm going to school for a real education degree. I just was worried things wouldn't cross over. I didn't think I was a shoe-in. It's also been 800 million years since I've gone to school. That's my tits. I really don't have any shits because I want to focus on how so far today has gone really well. I've had therapy. My weight loss journey is going a little bit better. I have energy. I organized my kids' closets. I got into grad school. I'm just going to focus on how today is the first all good day I've had in a long time. Yeah, I think you should. I think it's very easy to get caught up in bullshit, and lately it's been a lot of it, so why not relish in the good stuff? How about you, Ash? I don't think I have any shits either, to be honest with you. I just had a nice weekend. My mom had been here all week, and then we thought my father-in-law was coming. We were waiting for him and waiting for him and waiting for him, and I'm like telling Matt, hey, maybe you should call your dad and see if he hit traffic, if he got into an accident, is he okay? And he was like, no, I'm coming next weekend. Surprise! <laughs> I mean, listen, I'll take it. I love having people around, but it's also really nice to have a weekend, just the three of us. We cleaned and did stuff on the house. Sebastian's portfolio is due Friday. And once he gets home this afternoon and finishes writing his smoothie recipe, and we turn it into school tomorrow <laughs> for his teacher to approve, we're done. Yeah, that's such a win for you. This has been quite a production, this portfolio. In my mind, he's getting into the school. I would probably be more disappointed than him if they don't. From my understanding, there's a good possibility he doesn't get in because they're very picky and they have all these different qualifications that you have to meet. But in my mind, he's getting in. I'll take good thoughts for that because I would love for that to happen. Awesome. Look at us. Just two little positive princesses. Next up, Joey Cola. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Today's guest is a comedian George Carlin called one of the strongest comics he had seen. He's been the audience warm-up guy for Martha Stewart, Kevin James, Rosie O'Donnell, Rachel Ray, Drew Barrymore, and so many more. He's a husband, father of two, and an incredibly lovely man that I am very happy to call a friend. Welcome, Joey Cola. Hi, Joey. Hi, guys. So good to see you again. Good to see you, too. Joey, you and I met during our Martha days, but you've been in this industry longer than that. Tell us about how you got into entertainment and what the journey's been like that got you to this point. All of the good stuff. First, let me say I have a great life. I love almost every minute of my life. It's a gift. We're all here for a half hour and that's it. What a miracle of blessings I have had. Oh, I love that. That's rare with comedians because I feel like so much of their comedy can come from anger. It all comes from anger and frustration. Yes. And so it's really nice to hear somebody who is like, no, I have a really great life and I'm also funny. When I was very, very little, was born in Brooklyn, moved to Long Island when I was one or two. Our family parties consisted of my uncle Ralph playing guitar, my uncle Angelo telling jokes, my parents singing and dancing. It was a lot of fun and a lot of love, not only in the apartment buildings around Brooklyn and Queens, but when they came to my house on Long Island, everybody slept over and the guitars came out and the piano was playing and everybody would play instruments. It was like Billy Crystal's 700 Sundays. We all enjoyed being in with each other, had a few drinks, and everybody would sing and dance and tell jokes. So they handed a four-year-old microphone and said, Joey, tell a joke. Joey, sing a song. Not only me, my brother, my cousins, everybody. We performed at the family parties. And I realized that when I made an adult laugh or an aunt and uncle, a parent, or sang for them, it got attention. So as a little kid, you remember that. And as I got older, in high school, women liked when you made them laugh. So I wasn't the class clown. I was a class comedian. The class clown runs across the football field naked. The class comedian is a guy who talked him into doing it. (laughs) I hung around with a lot of funny, funny guys in high school. And then when I was in college, I took up acting, you know, and I was in a couple of plays. And then I saw a documentary about the comedy club Pips in Brooklyn, which is in Sheepshead Bay. And it was run by George Schultz and his son, Seth and Marty. And George Schultz was David Brenner's manager. And everybody worked there from Seinfeld, Rodney Dangerfield, Joan Rivers, Robert Klein. I knew that I wanted to be a comedian. So I watched that documentary and then I went there to try to work there. And they said, well, where else do you work? I said, well, not a lot of places, a couple of places on Long Island, a couple of, you know, open banks and here and there. They said, well, establish yourself a little bit. Then I started going to the improv in the city, as well as doing all the clubs on Long Island, namely Richie Minavini's Eastside Comedy Club, which became my home club. You still perform there, right? That club has been long gone. Okay. But on Long Island, we have Governors, which is one of the original clubs, and they own three of them now. They have the Brokerage, which is 42 years old. Governors in Levittown is 40-something years old. And then they have McGuire out in Bohemia. So they own three what we call A clubs on Long Island. And I headline all of those. As a matter of fact, I'll be at the one in Levittown on May 27. I've been doing stand-up for 42 years, headlining about 35 years, and warming up TV shows almost 30 years. John Stewart put me on his original show that he had. He had a Channel 9 talk show on WOR in New York. I used to watch that. So I did that for a year back in 1993, 94. And then Rosie got a show in 96, and I didn't look back. I've been warming up TV shows that long. 
So there's been a lot of bumps along the way, and I'm writing a book about my life now. I saw Ray Romano recently, and he's been a friend for a long time. You gotta write a book, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Ashley has talked about how much she loves the way that you talk and feel about your family, and Ashley's met your daughter. Yeah. Every time I've met you, which is twice, you seem so genuinely in love with your family, and you want to be with them all the time, which is really unusual for the comedian lifestyle. How do you maintain all this, Joey? I'm the richest guy that I know. I mean, not on paper. I still have to work. You know, I was born with adversity. I was born my legs backwards. The doctors told my parents that I would never walk. I might as well invest in wheelchairs now when he's three because he's never going to walk. I had operations to turn my legs around. Wow. And I not only walk, but I jump around like a madman now. We grew up on Long Island, so I got a tick in my head when I was young at nine and I got Rocky Mountain spotted fever and that almost killed me. I had 105 fever for six days. Priests came in, did the last rites and I was done. My father found it. They dug it out. Then I got pneumonia after that. I got into a head-on car crash in 1982 when Chuckles Comedy Club opened up in Mineola. I've had a lot of adversity, a lot of adversity. And my wife too, her dad died in 1984 of a heart attack in the shower. She took him out and tried to revive him to no avail. She went through a lot of stuff also. In 1986, I was doing the comedy stop at the Tropicana in Atlantic City. I had started comedy like 80, 81. This was 86. I'm only five years in. You start out as an MC, then you're middle act. It's usually a three-person show, and then you become a headliner, and there's various degrees of headliner, all the way up to, like, Sebastian Maniscalco, or you can just be the local guy headlining a local club. There's different degrees of headliner. In 1986, on October 19th, which is my birthday, my parents came to see me in Atlantic City. My dad's, too. Really? Yeah. I was doing the club down there, one show each night, my parents came to see me because that was like, our son's really in show business now. He's doing Atlantic City. So they came to see me on a Friday. Saturday morning, we had breakfast. We walked the boardwalk, had some ice cream. I put him in a car. They left. We went and had dinner, got changed. My wife was with me at the time. She was my girlfriend. We were staying at a condo next to the Tropicana. Went to do the show. I was emceeing at that point. I emceed. I did my 10 minutes. I bring up the middle act as a ventriloquist. We get a call backstage. Your parents have been in a very bad car accident. One of them is dead. <gasps> yeah. And then I hear the ventriloquist say, that's my time. Welcome back, Joey Cole. So now I walk back on stage on automatic pilot, looking at the seats that my parents were in the night before. I do one minute of material of my mother waking me up in the morning to find out what time I had to get up. I bring on the headliner, which was a guy named Adam Leslie, jump backstage, go back to the condo, pack up, because my mother-in-law had called the club owner backstage at the Tropicana. My brother called her and said, come right home. Don't even go to the hospital. They're at Brunswick Hospital on 110 on Long Island. Don't even go there. But me, I had to go there. So we'd go pack my stuff, drive all the way home from Atlantic City. My mom's in a coma. They were in a car crash. My father had an epileptic seizure, pulled over, hit the tree, and my mother went through the windshield. She was in a coma. He was upstairs in the hospital. We couldn't even tell him what happened. She was in a coma for two days and she passed away. My brother and I and our whole family had to bury my mom and then tell my dad later on. Everybody in the comedy industry knew what happened to me. I mean, everybody from Rosie to Dennis Miller. And I was in touch with him because I opened for him at Fordham University. Like everybody knew. And the comedy community rallied around me, even though I was a young kid at the time. So after that, a friend of mine took my audition for Star Search. Steve O, his name was. It was like a month or two later and I hadn't done stand up and I was drinking NyQuil. My mother and I were very close. Four foot 11 Italian lady, always singing, making meatballs as she's throwing them in the frying pan. I'm a borrowed. They always sing it. We were unbelievably close. There's no way I could figure out how am I going to go through life without my mother. I'm 25 years old. But my friend brought me to LA and he said, you're going to coach me on Star Search because I took your audition. He beat Martin Lawrence. He beat Jackie 
Marling, and then he lost, and then we stayed out there. And then we had a gig at the Quality Inn in San Bernardino Valley. And I said, don't bring me up. I'll go with you guys, but don't bring me up. Sure enough, they said, we have a friend in the audience. They bring me up. I do five minutes on automatic pilot. And I didn't do great, but I got back on stage. And I come off stage, and all three of these grown men are crying. And they go, see, you idiot, you were going to hurt yourself. You were going to leave the business, and you have a life. This audience doesn't know what happened to you. From that point on, most comedians do the middle spot at least five years. I only middled for eight months. I got a strength about me, and I started writing and just going on at every club on Long Island, Jersey, all over the city, catch, the improv, danger fields everywhere. And I became a headliner within eight months. And then I never looked back. To this day, I can't explain where that strength came from. I knew my mother had something to do with it, and that situation had something to do with it. But I rallied back, and I started working all over the place, including cruise ships. Now, cruise ships are a double-edged sword. You make a lot of money, and you see in blue water and palm trees, but you're away from your family. I'm away from my wife and kids. 90, 91, I was doing tons of cruise ships. At one point, I was on there for a whole month, and I came back for a day, and then I had to go do a club, the Comedy Cafe in Milwaukee. So I'm coming back for a day. I'm clipping the hedges. A beautiful sunny day. My wife comes out and she goes, can you do me a favor and just run to the store and pick up some milk and eggs? And I turn around crying and I'm like, what else do you want from me? What else do you want? I'm only home for a day. And I had a breakdown. So she said, first put the hedge clippers down. <laughs> then she said, let's sit down and figure this out. She said, you're not going on the ships anymore. Forget the money. It was a lot of money. But she said, nope, forget it. We're going to make money on land. Within two weeks, I started working with John Stewart, doing the warm-up there, picking up little warm-up gigs here and there. And then in 1996, I'm doing Letterman. June 13th, it was my brother's birthday. Rosie had been on the air for three days. She started June 10th. And I knew Rosie from the clubs because I used to drive her around because she had no car. And her and I were friends for many years before she even became famous. So she tried a couple of the writers to do the warm-up. Larry Amorose, Eric Kornfeld, Angela Scott, Judy Gold, and nobody worked. So she called me. As I was leaving the stage after my Letterman spot, me and my manager, my wife is there and says, Joey, it's Rosie. I need you to come and do warm-up for the show like you did with John Stewart. I said, what kind of a show? Is it going to be people throwing chairs at each other and like Sally Jesse and stuff? He goes, no, it's very Merv Griffin. It's very Mike Douglas. And I want you to run it like you're MC in a comedy club. We're going to be shooting coos balls. There's going to be music and we're going to have fun. I did the whole run with Rosie for six years. Then I went to Martin for seven years, Rachel for 12 years. And now I'm going into my third year at Drew Barrymore. If I go back to Drew, which I think I will, if the contracts all come together, it'll be 30 years of warm-up and 42 years of stand-up. And it's all a love story. It has nothing to do with my talent. It has nothing to do with the career and the show business the way it was laid out. It has everything to do with meeting my wife. It's a love story between her and I. We're together since I'm 19 and she's 17. She lived three blocks away. And that's the real story. As an actor, I always said this, there's talents that are so big that you just want them for the talent, but you might not like working with them. Mm-hmm. And then there's people that are very talented, sometimes just as big as that big talent, but they're nice and you want to show up with them every day. It's not just like we're on set for 10 minutes. Give me your best, whatever. I don't have to talk to you again. And so part of it is that you're just a genuinely good person that people want to see every day. It's true. Thank you for saying that. Well, you know, when it comes to warm up, people come to a TV show and it might be their first and only time. So I want it to be the best experience that I can give them as me being a small piece in this whole puzzle. When I do stand up, I want the same thing to happen. I never get into an argument with an audience member about heckling or whatever. Someone wants to heckle me. Hey, you suck. Buddy, okay. I suck. All right. All right. Then go see Jim Gaffigan. Okay. All right. But 
Yeah. 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 Yeah.
don't see Oprah going, you get a car, you get a car. She stole that from Rosie because we were doing, you get a computer, you get an Elmo doll, you get all that. I know my mom went three times. We got a lot of swag. You know, Rosie gave me a boat on the last episode of the show. You can Google last episode of Rosie O'Donnell or go to my YouTube and you'll probably see it. She won a bunch of Emmy Awards, 14 Emmy Awards or whatever. And she knew that me and Donna Richards, who dressed her, didn't get the statue. We got plaques. And Donna Richards still dresses the people at SNL to this day. The last day, she made sure that Donna and I didn't get any rundowns or scripts. And every time I asked for a rundown or a script, they said, it's changed. No rundowns for you today. They're all changing. Just forget it. I'll tell you who's on the show. Just wing it. Write it on your little pad and that's it. Anyway, in the middle of the show, Rosie says, hey guys, we're going to switch gears right now. We're going to play a game with two people that work for me. Donna Richards and Joey Cola. Whoever gets the most answers wins a t-shirt or whatever it is. She calls us up and she said, listen, there's no category for dresser and there's no category for warm-up person. So you guys have been my loyal friends. Without you, we can't do the show. Here's an Emmy Award for you. She hands me a statue and she hands Donna a statue. And she goes, not only that, but I took the time to ask your co-workers what you really want. Donna, here's the PT Cruiser you want. And then she asked Kenny Decker, who is a cameraman, Lord rest his soul, to take me to the New York Boat Show at the Javits Center. And Kenny just said to me one day, if you had your druthers, what boat would you get? And I said, well, I get a Proline center console about 20 feet with this engine on a, a Mercury 200 power. So I told him that. He told Rosie. Last episode, she goes, Donna, here's a picture of the PT Cruiser for you and Joey. Here's a picture of your new boat. You still have it? I had the boat for five years. Then the engine broke and I wasn't finding time to get on it. But my kids were little and it was a five-year chunk in my life with my kids that is priceless. So that's the Rosie story. And then there's another young kid who you may know. I'm working on the eighth floor. I'm walking back down to the offices and I feel a tap on my shoulder. I turn around. It's Jimmy Fallon. He goes, you don't remember me. And I go, you're Jimmy Fallon from Saturday Night Live. He goes, no, 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 no. Let me tell you what you did for me. He begins to tell me when he was 17 years old, he came to the Comedy Works in Albany and I was headlining. And he comes in with his dad. He's got a troll doll and a guitar. He says, you mind if I do five minutes? I said, no. But the other two comedians and I was headlining and the manager of the club at the time said, no, it's a packed house on a Saturday night. We don't have time to put this kid up. So I said, okay, you're going to be like that? Fine. So I tell him, just sit in the back with your dad. The other two comics go on. I go on. Halfway through my set, I said, listen, I got to go to the bathroom. But while I'm in the bathroom, I have a friend who's going to entertain you while I'm in the bathroom. Welcome Jimmy Fallon. He gets up, he does five minutes, he bombs. But I gave him that spot because I felt bad for him. He was there with his dad. He was adorable. So Jimmy begins to tell me that story in the hallway on the eighth floor. And he says, someday I'm going to have a show and I'm putting you on that show. I said, Jimmy, thanks for telling me that's the gift. You telling me that? I've done it for a million comedians and that's fine. So then I see him at the Toronto Comedy Festival two years later. Joey, they give me the show. They give me a show. I'm putting you on. Sure enough, February 2010, he calls me himself. I got my show. I said, yeah, I saw. He goes, pick a date. I said, all right, April 1st. He goes, April 1st, April Fool's Day, April 1st, 2010. He brought me up. I did time on his show. See, this is what I'm saying. You're a good person. Ashley and I really 
strongly believe in shine theory and that there's enough work for everybody. And if you work to the best of your ability and you help other people, then it all goes together. I wanted to ask you this parenting question because it's not often that you encounter parents who are doing what the three of us are doing, working in entertainment in some way and not just behind the scenes, like trying to make their own dreams come true. Yes. Do you have any tips for other parents like Carrie and I who are trying to be good parents, be there for our children, but are also trying to foster and nurture our own creative endeavors and our own passions and our things that are maybe a little outside of the box? When you nurture the relationship with your partner in the parenting, that will be the stone on which you will build your entertainment career. Without my wife being here to handle all the kids stuff, I can't go to Milwaukee and do the Comedy Cafe, Cleveland and do Hilarity. I can't do that. For me in particular, it happened to be we bought the grandparents' house. So this was the mecca of the Iavino family. So her sister was here with the kids. The cousins were here with the kids. There's always smell of garlic and oil cooking. Always that. I never cheated on my wife at all. Never even thought about it. Which is rare for comedians. It's a rare for anybody, really. I love her and I love us. And I love the family we've created. Why would I destroy such a beautiful gift that was given to me while I'm alive on this planet? It also helps that I have low testosterone and she's on menopause. (laughs) So it's a (laughs) win-win. You know what I mean? It's pretty much real fortune, bed to sleep. That's what me and my partner say all the time, too. I was like, well, what are you going to do? She's got eucalyptus <laughs> on her side. I got the Vicks Vapor Rub. Boom. <laughs> Thank God we're at 60 now. I have the Vicks Vapor Rub on my side. Even the truly single people have to rely on a manager or a publicist, too, to take care of everything. I'm very good friends with Jeff Sussman. He's one of my best friends, and he was my manager for a while. He manages Kevin James and Joe Rogan, and they rely on him a lot. I tour with The Sopranos now. I'm with Sharippa, Mike Imperioli, and Vinny Pastore. And I do the live shows with them. We do these theaters all over the country. Each one of them, as well as myself, has a strong foundation. Mike has his wife. Steve has his wife and his kids. And Vinny has got his ex, but also nieces, nephews, and very, very close friends that he could rely on. So if it's not a partner, it's close friends to be able to lean on. You can't step up in the show business world unless you got these people holding you up. Rodney Dangerfield said to me one time, hey, Joey, for as many people as there are doing it, that's how many ways there are to make it. You know, I spent a lot of time with Rodney. My dad loves Rodney Dangerfield, which is so weird because my dad is more of a U-type than a Rodney right, Dangerfield. Right, right. So it's really weird to me how much he likes him. I spent a lot of time with a lot of people. Chris Rock used to open up for me. I put Sandler on stage one of the first times he ever did it. Kevin James used to play Santa Claus for my kids. Ray Romano used to come and have barbecues at my house. I almost co-signed a house for him on my blog. It goes on and on. Judd Apatow, the last time he was on, Drew. I said, ladies and gentlemen, Judd Apatow. And then we went to commercial. He went, oh my God, Joey Cola. He says, you remember the last time you said that? I said, yeah, it was at Governor's on a Wednesday night about 35 years ago. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, new kid doing it, Judd Apatow. I mean, that's all well and good, but it really doesn't matter who you get your picture taken next to or what name you could drop to the people that you pass by because the ones that mean more to me are the ones who I really don't even know their name. We have a place called Unique on Long Island here. It's a thrift store. Oh, we have one here in Union City, too. Yeah, and it's great. Yeah. And around the holidays, I grab my daughter. I say to her, Maria, let's get a 
50, get a hundred dollar bill or a couple hundred dollar bills. And let's go into these thrift stores. And we're going to see these people who are really destitute, who have nothing. And I walk up to them and I go, here's a hundred dollar bill. And here's a $50 bill. And those are the moments that make a great life. You mentioned George Carlin in the intro. And Jeff, when he was managing me, George Carlin saw me on the Caroline's Comedy Hour and called Jeff and said that he wants to befriend me. God, how cool is that? And then he wound up sending me all of his tapes from all of his specials and we became friends. We would call each other. He came to see me in Vegas. I have a picture of him and I when I did the Riviera Comedy Club because he was doing ballets. He invited me over to his show. We had a relationship, George and I. Joey, this has just been a true joy chatting with you. For me too. I gotta tell you, I was a young girl. You always took care of me. You were always very nice to me when a lot of other people were trying to not be. So thank you very much for all of that. That's the best compliment that I can get. And I appreciate that. No, it's true. And this is why I've always thought, God, he is such a nice man because you hear stories that don't go that way. So I truly appreciate it. You've just been a very kind person and especially in this industry. So thank you. Plug yourself, plug all the things. I put all my dates on my Facebook and Instagram, but the main one would be Governors in Levittown on May 27th. I got one show and then I'm taking a lot of the summer off and then Comedy and Conversation with the Sopranos. I got like eight of those coming up. If you guys want to know more about Joey's upcoming shows, you can always find all that information on JoeyCola.com. Yeah, yep, JoeyCola.com. There'll be a lot of new dates on there also. Joey, thank you. Don't be a stranger. Come back whenever you want. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. We're friends forever, so call me. Hashtag swag bag. Smoked paprika. That's right, friends. Smoked paprika. You never know what you're going to get from me. It's true. I didn't know I was going to get smoked paprika. I've always liked paprika. Sure. But my vegan friend who cooks good vegan, he said the key to good vegan is smoked paprika. It can make things taste like meat that aren't meat. So I bought smoked paprika. I've been adding it to everything. It's so delicious. You want to have an avocado toast taste a little heartier? Put some smoked paprika in there. You want to upscale a macaroni and cheese? Oh, smoked paprika. French fries? Smoked paprika. Popcorn? Smoked paprika. For the win. Okay, smoked paprika. So mine is the salt reusable menstrual disc. I've been looking for a sustainable option for a long time, and I have not liked the underwear. kind of always felt weird. I've done it, but it kind of always felt weird, and now there's issues. The underwear got recalled. Right, because it's got some sort of chemical that going into your coochie-cooch. Yeah, some dark water. So I was at Target and I was like, I'm going to try a menstrual disc because I've tried the cups and I didn't like those. It looks like contraceptive, the old discs or whatever you used to put in. The only thing is it's difficult to take out and it is certainly messy. It's like burping Tupperware, right? The way it works is you push it up behind your pubic bone. There's a little notch, but the notch starts to move. So I found another one that has a pull tab that I'm going to try because otherwise I don't feel a thing. This has been the best period of my entire life and I'm never going back from a menstrual disc. And there's reusable ones. There's ones you can throw out. Then you're just doing the same fucking thing. Doesn't that defeat the purpose? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, have a good week. Go buy a menstrual disc. Eat some smoked paprika. Bye! Bye! Bye. 
Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.